Thank you for the privilege of sharing with you today. And I pray, no, no, uh, not trying to be clever with uh, words, but um, I pray that there is uh, gold for gold today and that God would use this in a powerful way. This is an amazing story, and I think even as we've had such uh, a wonderful time of encounter already this morning and listening, Heather, I really appreciated what you shared. And, uh, and today really is about seeing into the realm that we actually is permanent and live in and supersedes everything else. And uh, so question, what do you expect God to do in you today? I'm not here to deliver information. I mean, that's, that's short term. But I'm here uh, and standing in the presence of the Lord as you are in the presence of the Lord. Jesus is in the house. He's here right now. And he has things that he wants to do inside of each one of us. And uh, so I want to just just remind you that his uh, heart is so full of compassion and so full of desire for you to have the kind of relationship that just continues to grow. That's what we're going to have for eternity. We're not going to be sitting on a cloud somewhere going plink, plink, plink. yeah. Uh, okay, it made me think of something. Um, so let me just uh, tell you, that, you know, as we've been walking through Matthew, everything is about restoration. Everything is about God bringing, bringing something that he's always desired, he has declared is going to be, and he's bringing us into that. He knows where we are, and he says, I'm calling you into that, because what I've called you into is far greater, more meaningful, more satisfying, more fruitful than the difficulties and struggles you may be facing. Uh, since it is about restoration, I will tell you a little bit about myself. Um, my life is about restoration right now. I was past, did pastoral work for uh, almost 38 years, just um, two months shy. And then for 11 years, I worked with churches and pastors in architectural and engineering in building projects that they might have and worked for an A&E firm and uh, did like 60 projects from the Rockies to the Atlantic. And so I got to be in a lot of different kinds of churches. I got to be in Roman Catholic churches and seeing good people who loved Jesus and wanted their church to come alive and reach their community. And was in Pentecostal, Charismatic, a lot of Baptist churches and uh, of varying kinds of shades and colors. And I'm not going to go into all of that. Um, But I will say I was, um, uh, in all of that, I had a lot of exciting and fun experiences. Um, I was also married for 40 years, a couple months shy, uh, to my college sweetheart. And got divorced. And then I remarried and was married for 10 years to somebody I'd known. And she and her husband, her husband passed away uh, for 10 years and divorced. 
Now, you may say, you may want to even check out and say, what has he got to say to me? And you'd, you might say, yeah, you have no right to stand up here and share. And I would have to say to you, that's absolutely right. Without restoration, every bit of the ashes of our life don't end up with value. They just cover us. And God invites us into restoration, healing and wholeness in a way that we have never imagined. And that's part of what this message is about today. Um, If it wasn't in part of restoration, if it wasn't for... uh, if it wasn't not the least for uh, Gold Avenue Church has ministered pastoral ministry, prayer ministry, friendship has helped bring restoration into my life. Uh, my brother-in-law, Lonnie, and Diane, my sister, have ministered countless times through many years. I'm blessed to have my brother with me today who will be critiquing me afterwards and depending upon how well I do, is it's either a steak dinner or McDonald's. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Please, cheer. Uh, amen, brother. So, um, I am so grateful for God's compassion. We, we sang this morning, Behold our God, His love. And, and then... Then we sang the power of his name that has brought such release and relief to us. And this story gives an indication of how great the power of God is that supersedes the world that we see, the world that we feel, and brings us into his world, his kingdom that he says we're in. And he's inviting us then to step into that. Um, This story also, I think it's very much like our lives in a lot of ways. And each verse has an invitation to us. So I just want to read Mark 14. um, And uh, uh, I'll get it here. Mark 14, starting in verse 22, going through verse 31. If you've got your Holly Bibbles, however you, uh, whatever version you've got there. I'm, oh, did I say? I meant Matthew, because it isn't even in Mark. <laughs> it's, only, it's only in Matthew and in Luke, and in, uh, in Luke, they don't even cover Peter getting out of the boat. So this is uh, kind of interesting. Matthew picked up on it. And uh, so it says immediately, oh, and I'm sorry, the setup is from last week also, because this is immediately after the miracle of feeding 5,000, the impossibility of feeding 5,000. Jesus works a miracle. They're all struggling with how's this going to happen, and they're trying to calculate and make it happen and figure all of this out. And Jesus says, what do you got in your hand? And uh, and so then they move forward. And so immediately after that, and that's where this verse picks up, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. That's interesting. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. 
and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. That actual word there is when uh, several times when God himself, God the Father and Jesus, it's the great I am. He's saying, I am. Bigger than all the rest. We'll get to that. Uh, He says, take courage, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately, immediately... There's that word again. Jesus reached out his hand, caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And they climbed into the boat and the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is quite an interesting story. There's another story in the Old Testament that is the um, story of Elijah. And all the groups of the prophets, and he was kind of one of the leaders of the school of the prophets. And they were chopping wood or something, and an axe goes into the lake, sinks to the bottom. And they call out on Elijah. Elijah prays, and an iron axe head floats to the surface. Hmm. Well, we don't see that repeated. Um, And and I don't know of any church of the floating head uh, out there. Uh, And... It's kind of the same way with this walking on water. We see all kinds of interesting miracles that God has done, especially mili- uh, missionary working and things like this. But, it's, uh, but we don't see this uh, repeated uh, that we know of, and we don't see it necessarily as a focus for us. So it must have some things to say to us that are beyond just the event and the supernaturalness of it and the spectacularness of it. So let's dive in. Verse 22, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. The word says there uh, that he made them or he compelled them or he constrained them to get in the boat. Why would he do that? Why would he say, get in the boat? Is it because he's had enough of them? <laughs> and, and, you know, hey, I want to be alone with the Lord. Hey, just go on. And no, when Jesus brings command, he has a plan in mind. Sometimes when he's directing us, there's an urgency in how the Holy Spirit is ministering that. And it's because he has a plan. But we can blow right by those things. We can just say to ourselves, oh, well, of course, let's get in the boat. We've got to go to the other side, I guess. That's what he's going to do next. Because Jesus is always doing what the Father says for him to do. So I guess that's what we do. 
But there's more when we, when we stop, we slow down, and we begin to think and allow his plan to unfold before our eyes. It says, uh, and he said, after he dismissed them, in verse 23, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was alone. How many of you, this is from the early 90s. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Okay, I got a lot of blank stares. That's okay. As Dave mentioned, I've been doing this for decades. Uh, the, that is Psalm 91. There's a secret place that Jesus went to regularly. And he's inviting you and me to find a secret place. I wouldn't be standing here if I hadn't found the secret place with him and myself. I've had many days where just my heart was breaking and he came gently, he came firmly, and he came with great encouragement and saying, You aren't finished. I'm not finished with you. And that was not about pastoring a church. It was not about anything about some position or role. It was about his love in my life bringing me into all that he has designed for me. And he is doing the same for you. Where's your secret place? How regularly, you know, I know we, we always teach, well, you've got to have devotions. Uh, back in the, uh, I think this was in the, maybe even the 80s, maybe the mid-90s, there was a devotional published by a guy called the uh, 29, uh, 5929. And, uh, and that's because everybody was always telling you, you've got to have devotions for 30 minutes. And so he said, uh, to be counter, he said, okay, 59 seconds and 29 minutes. <laughs> Let's not get legalistic about things. Spending time listening, conversing. The restoration that we have from Jesus is about returning to the relationship that Adam and Eve had in the garden that they walked away from. That's his love story to us, still giving us choice, still saying, hey, I want time with you. I want to talk with you. Let's walk together. And you can tell me anything. As Dave shared this morning about how do we grapple with lament in all of that? Well, simply by talking. Simply by saying, Jesus, this is where I am. I'm tender. And I know this transition. I know that my dad is going to be healed in this life or going to you. I can only say... Precious, precious in the sight of the Lord is the passing, transitioning of his saints. It's a mystery, that transition. And we're all going to have it, aren't we? Uh, Nobody gets out of this life alive in the sense of brain waves and heartbeats. So I'm grateful for that. He's... uh, And... When we find a secret place, 
I don't know about you, but secret place for me today, out of a lot of pain, out of a lot of brokenheartedness, is where I'm able to communicate with God what's really going on inside. And then letting His Word triumph, reshape, restore where I am at that moment. So, I just, uh, I think, you know, this is just simple verse. He says, okay, so he went up on the mountain to pray alone. We know many, many times that Jesus did this. Why was that so? Because, well, he was the Son of God. No, he's inviting each and every one of us into that same level of relationship and conversation. Uh, And then the next verse, 24, is kind of, there's an implication there. Uh, It says, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land. Buffeted by the waves, the wind was against it. Uh, Some of it, they said, many stayed here. That would put it somewhere between a quarter and a half a mile away from land. And on water, that's quite a distance. And the implication is that Jesus saw this. He knew what was going on. And the waves, the waves were against it. Anybody in here not being buffeted by some waves in some way? Every one of us has opposition, whether it's internal, whether it's external, whether it's, uh, I better pray for the guy <laughs> at the mechanics thing. Oh, that's, there's a little wave there and then we go, oh yeah, this is an opportunity. And yeah, it's really my heart and, and love and desire and just not always sure how it's going to be received. Uh, every one of us, if we've stepped uh, forward in faith have have experienced that, and so I, I just get a big I get a big kick out of the fact that Jesus sees every wave that's buffeting against us, whether it's physical conditions, whether it's internal struggles, whether it's the frustration of things that we have faced over and over and over and over again and don't seem to be getting ahead. That's the position that the uh, disciples in the boat are in. They're just not making real progress because of the opposition that's against them. And um, I don't know how you deal with that, but even we, we sang this morning in the power of his name, uh, overcoming every battle. Hmm. Praise that breaks the shackles. Wow. Practicing that. Years and years ago, there was a guy by the name of um, Merlin Carruthers that wrote a book, uh, The Power of Praise. And he talked about how Scripture says, uh, praise him in all things and praise him for all things. That, that last one's a little hard because it really means a submission and a, and a yieldedness to God in the situation to the Lord and the power of the Spirit in that situation. So breaking shackles is part of the opposition that we face, the waves that are just beating us up. You know what I've done with waves that beat me up? I've tried to ignore them. 
tried to pretend they aren't really there. I'll just keep busy and keep moving forward. I've tried to pretend that, well, if I am having a wave that's against me, some sort of opposition, it's somebody else's fault, and I can judge them on that. I think we're always being invited to either be a learner and curious or to be a judger and point out wrong. And God says, why don't you try being curious with me? Ask me some questions. Talk with me about this. Don't look for a specific answer. Look for me in that. And so that's, that's what happens as they move forward. Um, those waves. <laughs> so I was camping with my family up at Hoffmaster Park with some friends, the Stucks, uh, from a church in Three Rivers that I've known for decades, and, uh, and had my sailboat there. And, um, and uh, it was an older sailboat, and it tended to take water into the hold. And <laughs> the, uh, so we put it in at the... If you've, if you've ever been to the... Uh, Christian Reformed Campgrounds, or you've ever been to Maranatha, Hoffmaster's just south of that, and we could actually slide this boat into the water at the Mona Lake Channel that goes out to the big lake. And then we sailed it down to Hoffmaster Beach, and we could put it there overnight, and it was, it was a great fun, great day. On the, uh, when it was time to strike camp and, and go on home, it was um, uh, the weather had turned Uh, The wind had become very strong, and it was gray, gray, gray. And so uh, my friend Jim and I, we got in the boat, and we're going to sail it back up to the Mona Lake Channel. And, of course, if you have to go against the wind, you do something in sailing called tacking. And it's like this, and you, and, uh, and so in, but what was happening for us, instead of making forward progress through that kind of uh, motion, we were going like this. <laughs> we weren't getting anywhere. And then the ultimate happened. We sailed it into shore. We got out of the boat, put the lead on it, and walked it up the shore. <laughs> the ultimate humiliation for a sailor. <laughs> what is wrong with you, eh? <laughs> and so... So feeling how you can't make any progress is very real when the waves are buffeting. And again, it's a sort of a rhetorical question, but it takes a few moments to say, what are my waves today? What are you doing? They, they loom so big and it feels like no progress. But Lord, I'm going to get into the secret place and talk with you about that. Verse 24 says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Jesus saw them. He went out to them. He is always, 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 everybody say always, always. coming towards us for restoration, for healing, for victory, for understanding for shalom and peace in our life, for the manifestation of the fruits of the Spirit in our life. He is always coming towards us, and He's inviting us to enter into that. The, um, uh, I think it's um, 
And yet, like the disciples, we're sitting in the boat and we're just not making any progress. And then Jesus is coming, walking on the water. And the next thing is they are terrified. How many of you know that our context and subtext in this life, even if we know Christ, can often be fear? It's what rules. It's the first thing our brain goes to. We even call fear wisdom by going over a scenario of everything that will not work and how difficult it is and all or, uh, difficult it is and all the rest of that sort of thing. And he invites us into saying, "Hey, I am. I'm here. My real I'm I don't know about you, but I'm um, bilocational. Now, I'm not omnipresent. I've tried that, and all I did was get tired. Uh, the, I'm bilocational. I live in the, at the, and seated at the right, in Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father. That's where we live. Now, we're in this place as well. The rational mind goes, even with quantum physics, I'm not sure. And so it's one of those things that we don't naturally step into, but he's asking us to step into into his realm so that we see our circumstances, our waves, our difficulties, our failures, our struggles from a completely different perspective. Hmm. I've had such a hard time doing that. And, and I can stick Rev in front of my name for a long time. So it's not about the propositional truths that I understand about Scripture and doctrine and theology. It's about really how well I know my Savior, my friend, my Lord. Back to the secret place. I've blown by that so many times. Blown by that. I had, um, uh, when, uh, in 1988, I my, and my family, we went to Albion, Michigan, and pioneered a church there. And we basically, there was just two couples that invited us. We went, we listened. It was, uh, we felt like the Lord was leading us there and, uh, and even knew that there was be some difficulties. And previous to that, I'd said, I don't want to start anybody's church. That's too much work. Little did I know. And it was massive. And you're basically going into the forest, chopping down a bunch of trees and trying to make something happen. And it's uh, a lot of labor. And after we'd been there for a year, um, uh, I could see something was happening and had one of the founding couples that had a lot of failure and sin in their life, and they were trying to stir things up. And so I went to bed that night, and for the first time in my life, I had a panic attack. I've moved my family here. I've taken massive pay cut. I, uh, I don't know if this thing is going to make it or not. And it just seems like so many things are happening contrary. And I woke up. I could hardly breathe. 
And I'd never had a panic attack before in my life. And uh, now, for those of you who have had it, I at least can understand to some degree how absolutely immobilizing it is. How you feel like you can't even take a step forward. And I, I barely sat up in bed and I, excuse me, asked my wife to pray for me. And she prayed for me and ministered. And the Lord ministered out of that. But I find that the disciples are in a situation of where um, <laughs> I want to show a video clip in just a second here. The, the disciples have watched miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle already. They've been helping Jesus do it. I mean, who gathered, who got the baskets, who took uh, and then distributed the baskets before anything was done. They've been actively involved in the ministry, and yet they're still struggling in this moment. And they know the Old Testament stories. They know how God three times stopped the sun. How does that happen? I mean, uh, you know, it's not like Star Wars. The force, you know, it's one of those things that, that uh, God did miraculously. They know about this stuff. So the disciples are, um, they're experienced, but they're not really believing. So Sam, if you'd go ahead and play this. It's a clip from The Chosen, and it just uh, gives a short picture of where we might even be today. Lives to take the promised land. You will proclaim as you go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And while you are on this mission, you will heal the sick and the lame by anointing them with oil. You will cast out demons. You will clean. What? Why are you all looking at me like that? Uh... Could, could you just repeat that one more time? I'm sending you out two by two, proclaiming as you go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cast out demons. Uh, how soon are we talking about here? There's that word again. I'll get to that, Simon. Hold on. Heal the sick. Cast out demons. While you are on this mission, I grant you this authority. Someday, you will have it all the time. Was that a ceremony I missed? This is it. Don't feel any different? I don't need you to feel anything to do great things. With all due respect, Rabbi, we've only just begun as students. We're not nearly qualified enough. Why would you need us for this work? He doesn't need us. He wants us. Thank you, Seed. Very good. John, if I needed religious leaders or qualified students for my ministry, I wouldn't have chosen... <laughs> well, you'll get the point. Ives, to take the promised land... You will proclaim as you go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
Lights, action. Do you get the point? It's not about qualifications, experience. I have a lot of experience. And when I first met Dave, I basically said, you know, I've had a lot of success in some areas and by certain metrics, and I've also been an abject failure. How does that go? And so God in his, his mercy and in his grace invites us forward. Peter got out of the boat and he said, uh, well, first he said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come on the water. And then he, of course, got out of the boat and he walked towards Jesus and he went right back to the vision that they were having before he got out of the boat with waves buffeting them and opposing them and he pays attention to that instead of the word and command of the Lord that said come and he began to sink and immediately Jesus reached out and pulled him up from drowning that was a life and death situation so like the disciples uh, full gospel charismatic empowered by the Holy Spirit use a variety of language uh, and descriptors. Um, We can all be in that same place as the disciples where we've seen it. We believe in it. But we have a lot of excuses why we don't actually do it. And so getting out of the boat is because Jesus has said, you are going to heal the sick. You, Yes, it's the power of God, but you are going to heal the sick. You are going to cast out demons. Anybody work with somebody who's has got oppressed by the enemy? Anybody working with somebody who's demonized? What are you going to do about it? Now, I am here to say we have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, but yet there's that thing inside of us that says, ah, the waves are really big. Um, you know, I'm not qualified. I haven't, uh, I've, I haven't done this enough to know how to do this right. We're always worried about doing it right or doing it wrong. He invites us to step out, to step into the reality of our real relationship with him, which is not uh, Jesus plus. I've added Jesus to my life. No, it's the center of my being. And there is such an adventure that waits for each one of us every day. I'm telling you this, and I'm saying it in faith for my own life. So this is not like I got all this figured out and I I do this. But he's invited us into a journey that is full of adventure, full of wonder, full of seeing his heart of compassion and love and his power reach out through us to those that are around us. So we talk about it and we begin to do it in little ways and that's why things like um, uh, things like prayer walking, things like just listening and being in tune to what's going on around us uh, and listening. Do you know Jesus has been listening to my heart for years? And he hasn't spent his time berating me and saying, when are you going to get it? When are you going to actually get this? So when Jesus said, 
to the disciples and probably directly to Peter. O ye of little faith, King James, thank you. Uh, You know, it's it's there. Why did you doubt? And I'll I'll end with this. Um, Why did we doubt? Was Jesus irritated when he said that? Did he say it with sarcasm to Peter? Why did you doubt? When are you going to get this? Or is he our brother and our friend, the exact representation of the Father, Hebrews tells us. Is he calling us forward in encouragement, in strength, and saying, Peter, why did you doubt? Come on, let's do this different. Let's move in this way. He is always working for our best. And so... This morning, and worship team, uh, you can come up. Um, the uh, I think, and I'm just going to, we might, we're going to sing this. We're not going to sing it, but I know you had to be up here anyway. Um, the song, Oceans. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters. Wherever you would call me, take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. I will call upon your name. I will call upon your name. Keep my eyes above the waves. My soul will rest in your embrace. For I am yours, and you are mine. Father, take this. It's a, uh, it's a word I trust that you will bubble up throughout the week. And you'll bring us encouragement and strength. And even as we are filled up, with your compassion, your mercy, your love, your mercy that triumphs over judgment. Father, I pray that we're receiving your compassion. We're so full of that because we know you've listened to us, that we will listen to what's going on around us and step into the adventure of reaching out with your grace in your power. In Jesus' name.